Improvement Day. A Good Omens Fic, written by Twilight City Sky. Recorded as a multivoice potfic, narrated by Literarian. Chapter 5 Breakout Session, in which a discussion is had about the gift of a potted plant. And Azzy, Raphael, and Crowley finally get their one on one brainstorming session. The 1.30 to 2.30 session was Night Shift, maximizing your impact in dream visitations with Uriel. The clerks handed out index cards to each group with a single word printed on each. Your group has been given a prompt, Uriel said. A single word. Can some of you call out your prompts, please? Eyes, said Yophiel. Snow. Red Muriel, holding up her card. There was a chorus of several others. Dove. Power. Halo. Sword. Aziraphale was relieved that he wasn't in the sword group, although he'd become fairly adept at talking his way around that particular subject when it came up. He leaned over Layla's shoulder and read their group's prompt. I want you all to write your prompt on your flip chart, and then brainstorm a dream scenario featuring the word you've been given. We'll go around the room afterwards and talk about the pros and cons of each scenario. Having delivered the instructions, Uriel sat back down in her folding chair and pulled out her mobile. After a short pause, Michael said... We're all familiar with evoking comfort and joy in humans' dreams using the direct emotion link-up, but the modern world calls for us to expand our repertoire into the realm of symbolic imagery to make an impact. Don't be afraid to, well, to make them a little afraid, said Sandalfon. His smile was oily and unpleasant. Nightmares can be very powerful instigators of behavioral change. You know humans. Often, they need a firm hand. Rubbish, Crowley whispered to Aziraphale. Most I've seen humans change after a nightmare has to stop having heavy meals before bedtime. Besides, demons gave up on using dreams to influence souls back in the 80s. I forget almost all of them. It wasn't worth the personal hours. No, demons are much more efficient these days, aren't they? No need to faff about in dreams when you can strike right at the heart. Aziraphale whispered back with a tight smile. Crowley drew back sharply, looking confused and a bit hurt. Aziraphale stood and picked up the marker. I'll record, he said to the group at large. After the inevitable interpretation of plant as olive branch, the group settled on a dream in which the angel, dressed in green robes, extended a potted olive tree to a pair of older adults to symbolize respect for one's mother and father. Aziraphale could recognize a play-by-the-rules dream when he saw one. Crowley was quiet, 
except to correct the leaf shape on their plant and specify the necessary soil conditions. I like this, Michael declared. You're encouraging the healing of a rift with the gift of something that's alive and growing, a potted plant rather than a cut branch. The angel in the dream is saying that the relationship, like the tree, is viable, and it can thrive if the circumstances are right. The idea to have the olive tree in the pot was all Carisle's, said Hazel, smiling warmly at Crowley. What a wonderful idea, said Gabriel. Where did you see the dream going from here? Crowley looked up. Oh, I, I suppose. He cleared his throat. <clears> throat> tree that size. It's not going to be able to stay in a pot much longer, really. What we've described there is an Olea europea piscatana. It's going to be at least eight meters tall when it reaches full height. So you've got to think: is it a gift? Do the recipients have the right conditions to replant? Uriel's eyes were glazing over. Gabriel's mouth was still smiling, but the rest of his face had drawn a little back from it in evident confusion. Cause, well, if the soil and sunshine and wind are right, then that little plant can really get a foothold. A lot nice, bear fruit. Or it could die. Aziraphale thought. Heads turned. Oh, he'd said it out loud. Ah,、oh, well, in for a penny. What if the the parents don't have a place to plant it? What if they do, but things aren't right for it, and they never will be? I suppose. What if they live in a place where olive trees don't grow? What if what if there are rules against planting olive trees in their neighborhood? Have they checked their HOA?、Uh, zero fear. What if they don't like olives? Crowley was looking at him with narrowed eyes. Suppose they could always give it back. In that case, I think they do like olives. In fact, Aziraphale said bitterly. But maybe they can't grow the tree. Maybe they they just can't, even if they wanted to. So then the angel should take it back. Find it another, another home. Is that what you're saying? It'd be better off somewhere else. He was aware that he'd raised his voice to his own mild horror. Angels were staring. Suppose that'd be the alternative. Crowley said slowly. It can't live in the pot forever. If the parents can't care for it or don't want to, then there's nothing to be done. Aziraphale finished a tad wetly. Oh, he was tired of talking about potted plants. He was tired of all of this. Better that it go to a place where it's going to be able to grow strong, and a person who can look after it properly. The point of the dream is to fix the dreamer's relationship with their parents, right? Baruchiel said timidly, hand raised. 
Not, not with someone else? Maybe there's a reason the relationship is broken in the first place. Aziraphale snapped. Or maybe exotic plants just don't make good gifts, if you haven't done your research. Said Crowley. Pisciottas are actually native to my part of Italy. Said Hazio. Isn't that just perfect? Said Aziraphale. I think perhaps we've gotten a little off track. Uriel said, looking at their group with eyebrows raised. Thank you for that. Um, interesting presentation, Aziraphale. Moving on to the sand group. Aziraphale sat back down stiffly. He could sense Crowley looking at him. He stared straight ahead at their flip chart where the words olive, peace, mend, moist soil and pH 6.0 looked down at him accusingly. At 2.30, Aziraphale got up to follow the others to the long tables where butcher paper and markers had been laid out for the logo competition. Crowley went after him. We have a, a breakout session, Aziraphale. Did you forget? I rather thought we'd said everything we needed to to one another. Aziraphale huffed and tried to turn away. Crowley grabbed his elbow. Angel, come on, for Satan's sake. Aziraphale rounded on him, looked around for anyone in earshot, and then half-led, half-dragged him into the little conference room down the hall from the main lecture theatre. Inside was a long table stacked with items. Ring binders, piles of paperwork, a heavy glass water jug, brown grocery tote that seemed to be filled with loo rolls, and a set of laminated index cards printed with animal names. There was a whiteboard on the wall on which was written Increase one-time expenditure, Maximize secondary impact, Soul network, and Data points, and inexplicably Bite the bag and the toilet paper game. On the floor was a football, the detested hula hoops from the morning, a few bags of balloons and the surviving eggs. The room also contained several large rolling chairs. Aziraphale pushed Crowley down into one and stood over him, shaking a little. Are you insane, Crowley? You can't say things like that in the middle of a room full of angels. Well, certainly seems to have got your attention at any rate. You're going to get caught. I'm floored. Floored that you haven't been caught already. So what if I do get caught? Crowley said, rolling his eyes. I slither back downstairs and hell gives me a note for a successful reconnaissance mission, which in the case of hell is likely to be a decade supply of those flaming hot Cheetos because Beelzebub has developed a taste for them and thinks we all should too. And that leaves me in a fine position, thank you very much. Aziraphale snapped. 
I don't know if you remember this or not, Crowley, but you're my de- my counterpart. What, I should let them think I'm so terrible at my job that the one entity I meant to mark the movements of at all times waltzed right into a meeting with me and I was none the wiser? Do you want me demoted to desk duty for the next century? Crowley groaned in exasperation. How many times? Aziraphia, they don't recognize me. Even if they cotton on to the fact I'm a demon, they're going to have no way of knowing which one. You think Gabriel or, or Uriel is going to spend their time checking the surveillance footage? Fine, I suppose all's well then. Nothing to be concerned about. I had worried they'd notice the two of us wanting to spend time together, but clearly I was misinformed about the, the exclusivity of our arrangement. What are you on about now? I've been trying to spend time with you all day. Oh, yes, yes, of course, when you can be bothered. When you're not off with... with... When I can be bothered? Are you completely blind? How many times have I come up to you and you just about bite my head off? Fuck. Crowley pushed up from the chair. He pounded a fist lightly against his thigh, pacing across the room, clearly agitated. Good. Aziraphale hoped he'd roll one of his sensible brown loafers on a dry erase marker and jar that graceful strut out of alignment. Maybe collapse in a heap. Then Aziraphale wouldn't be alone in feeling utterly wretchedly humiliated. You expect me to just what? Be all smiles and sunshine? Oh, there's a Aziraphale. He's a fine fellow, salt of the earth. He's a smashing bloke to get a drink with, maybe catch a show. Bit dull, though. He surely won't mind if I... Look, I know the angels here treat you poorly. That's part of why I'm here. To... to... Ugh. He waved a long finger under Aziraphale's nose. Do not repeat this. To fucking support you. And you have the actual nerve to tell me that I'm treating you like they do? You have the nerve to tell me you're not? You couldn't wait to make other angel friends. You threw it in my face. The whole time you've been here, you've bounced around like a smarmy little honeybee, just just flitting from group to group. He sniffed, a hitching, watery sound. Crowley's face fell. He looked genuinely hurt. I just thought that if I get close to some of them and then sort of, well, folded you in. He spread his hands helplessly. Maybe... They'd get to know you. Be... He grimaced. Be nice to you. I don't need your help. Or your pity. Aziraphale's chest ached with embarrassment and fury, knotted in a painful lump below his sternum. His eyes stung. There were two Crowleys in front of him, then three... That's not what I meant. Fuck, I'm messing this all up. 
the three Crowleys said miserably. Maybe I should just go. I, I should have gone in the first place. Or never shown up. That would have been the ticket. Don't go now. You have a, a date with Haziel, remember? She'll be ever so disappointed. Aziraphale's hands were clenched into fists. He couldn't stop shaking. What? Aziraphale spun and advanced towards him, shouting in earnest now. Haziel? Long black hair, pretty blue eyes, dimples, petite corporation, purple skirt, Haziel! Crowley retreated for every step Aziraphale took, until his back was against the wall. What about her? Aziraphale, what is going on with you? Aziraphale was furious. Furious! He really was going to smite him. I had thought, he said between clenched teeth. For the moment, the anger was bigger than the shame, and that was good. He could do anger. Better than the alternative. I had thought that we were, that we had, well, an understanding. Angel. Angel, am I? Will you call Haziel Angel, now that you've met someone else from my side who fits in and gets commendations like, like you do and looks like, well, at any rate, there'll be no need to angel me, no need to stop by at all, in fact. What? Is that all you can say? Aziraphale all but screeched, reaching out and grabbing two handfuls of Crowley's hideous olive jacket. For fucks! Angel, I don't want to have an, an arrangement with Haziel or anything else. Sablo, then? Baruchiel? Of course not. How do I know that? You showed me today. You've been showing me. Invite yourself into someone's space, share a story, learn their name, and you can get whatever you want. You can pretend at closeness. Aziraphale closed his eyes and felt a tear spill down his cheek. How completely mortifying. You don't have to be sincere about a, a bloody thing. Crowley looked at him, eyes flat and expressionless. Wretched contacts. How Aziraphale hated them. Crowley lifted his hands to cover Aziraphale's where they were wound into his lapels and hissed into his face. How dare you! What I want! You think I'm getting what I want? Do you have any idea what that even is? Aziraphale shook him a little, face inches from Crowley's now. I wouldn't, would I? You've never been honest with me. That is just about enough, Aziraphale. Honest, coming from you. You've hardly said a dozen honest words to me in 6,000 years. It's always, I can't, or we shouldn't, or we're not friends. His voice rose, mimicking Aziraphale's tone and cadence. We're not having this conversation. 
if they knew we'd been fraternizing. If you want honest, maybe you should show me, right? You're the one who has all the meetings on communication skills. Show me just once what you want. Show me. Aziraphel jerked Crowley forward, glaring, teeth bared, until they were flush against each other, chest to chest and torso to torso, thigh to thigh. Then he abruptly shoved him back against the wall, wound one hand into his hair and crushed their mouths together.